the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 630 KSLR is proud to feature our Church of the Week. Our desire is that you will get to know the pastors and churches in our community and find a church you and your family can call home. Here's the host of the Church of the Week program, Director of Ministry Development, Mark Longoria. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us today. This is Mark Longoria, Director of Ministry Development here at AM 630 KSLR. We're so thankful that uh, that you're listening to the program today, and uh, as you may already know, what we want to do with this program entitled Church of the Week is to give you, our listeners, an opportunity to get to know the different pastors and the wonderful ministries that are made available to you here within our city in San Antonio. And today we have an excellent pastor that we've uh, we've had a, re- a relationship here with the radio station already for some time, Pastor James Shoup. He's the senior pastor over at uh, Castle Hills First Baptist Church in San Antonio. Pastor, it's uh, it's great to have you here in the studio. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I I'm looking forward to this. Well, we uh, well, thank you so much for being here, and and we look forward to hearing what God is doing uh, there in your family, in your life, within the ministry. So, what we want to do today is just give our listeners uh, an opportunity to get to know who James Shoup is. So, before we get into the church and the, the, the awesome things that God is doing there, why don't you give us a little bit of a background on on your life and who you are? Well, you know, first of all, I'd just like to say that I absolutely love Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and Savior. He's made a huge difference in my life. Uh, One of the things about my story is it kind of goes back to even before I was born. Mm. Uh, When I was 26 years of age, my mom uh, came in and, uh, and told me while I was pastoring a church in Allen, Oklahoma, she said, son, I've, I've got some, some things that I need to tell you. And I didn't know where she was going with the story. She was just bathed in tears. She mm. was upset. I thought that I had done something wrong. You know, she yeah, was – I thought, okay, I'm in trouble here. Well, she began to tell me the story about her boyfriend that she had when she was 15. She said that he uh, picked her up one night, that he was drunk. He drove her out into an abandoned field and then – he raped her, hmm. and at 15 years of age, back in 1962, she didn't even know what had happened to her yeah. uh, during that time. And so uh, her mom was having surgery. Her dad was divorcing her mother, and they tried to figure out what to do with my mom. So they sent her to Cairo, Illinois, to stay with her aunt and uncle. When she started getting sick, they they uh, said, "Well, we need to get you to the doctor, Barbara." And when she was there, the doctor said, "I'll tell you what's the matter with you, young lady. Yeah. You're." You're pregnant. Wow. And she said at that time, I didn't even know how to receive that news. And the the doctor looked at her. She said, he said, now, you don't have to worry about this. Uh, You don't have to go back to your home and your school and be snickered at and laughed at. And in fact, if you let me take care of this, Mm. uh, no one will ever have to know about this situation. Wow. And so... She said that he walked over to the cabinet and he began pulling out these instruments because he was going to uh, kind of perform the abortion. She was upset. She said, no, I, I, you know, I don't know what you're wanting to do. I can't do this. I need to talk to my family. 
And so the doctor went out and got her aunt and uncle and said, you know, listen, she needs to do this. So they joined in. They're trying to convince her along with the doctor, and she's just barely 16 years of age. Mm. They're trying to convince her to go through with this abortion. They give her a shot to kind of calm her down and maybe lower her defenses and all that. And she said, she said, son, I wasn't even a Christian at this time. She said, I didn't even, I didn't even know what was really happening. She said, but as the doctor was approaching me Mm. with those instruments, she said, I heard the voice of God saying, stop him. This one belongs to me. Wow. She said, I just kind of, she said, I melted into a puddle of tears. I got up from that examination table. I went and sat in a corner and curled up in a little ball, kind of like in a fetal position. And she said, I was just determined that no one was going to touch me. And then she looked at me as she's telling me this story in my office in Allen, Oklahoma. She says, she says, son, uh, you were that child. And at age 26 or 27, it's kind of fuzzy in my mind right now. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it was just amazing to hear that, that my life almost ended before it began. Wow. Then she looked at me and she said, oh, son, please don't hate me. And I said, hate you? Are you crazy? Quite I said, contrary. I yeah. said, you have given me a chance to live yeah. and to breathe. And I said, I wouldn't have had this wonderful wife that I'm married to and, you know, our son, Patrick, and this call to the ministry and pastoring the church. Wow. I said, I said, thank you. Thank you so much for the fact that I'm alive. And it reminds me of what Ronald Reagan said. He said, the only people in favor of abortion are the ones that have already been born, mm. you know, and, and here my mom was an advocate for me, the unborn, and yeah. I'm very thankful that God gave me a chance to live. And at 10 years of age, I invited Jesus Christ into my heart. Mm-hmm. And then at 19, uh, God called me to preach, which was kind of an anomaly. It was a bolt from the blue. I was not looking to be a preacher, uh, didn't have any pastors in our family, extended family, anything like that. You know, kind of like Amos said, I'm, you know, I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet. I'm just a pincher of sycamore trees and a keeper of sheep. Yeah. I felt so unqualified, yeah. like that God was scraping the bottom of the bucket when he got me or everybody <laughs> else had said no, and I was the last man standing. Yeah. But at age 19, he called me to preach. And so uh, life has been a journey of yeah. ministering to people, pastoring churches, preaching the word, loving on people, letting them know that God has a plan for them. Mm. So just like in, with, with the book of Jeremiah, with Jeremiah, God already knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He had already called you by name. He had already destined you for greatness. And I know that you're grateful for the decision that your mother made. And I'm also I'm also very well aware of the fact that there are so many other people, hundreds of people, families all over the place, not just in San Antonio, but uh, even prior to you uh, coming here and taking on this position as pastor over Castle Hills First Baptist Church, people that have been affected, positively affected, uh, by your life and your testimony and your teaching and instruction and, and discipleship. Um, you know, it's amazing to to think that one person's decision can just have a huge ripple effect on generations of so many different families. It's, yeah, you're right. And I think that only heaven will reveal to us hmm. the full extent, the full measure of the impact of, of any life. Wow. 
it's a, it's a blessing to be on the very cusp of what God wants to do in other people's lives. Uh, I, I have a chance because I'm a pastor to talk to a lot of people that are, you know, that are facing difficult decisions. They're trying to find, determine, seek out what God's will is in the moment as they're facing maybe bankruptcy or their marriage is falling apart or their teenagers are, you know, giving them grief or their children are sick or, you know, a variety of things. And I tell people, you know, when it seems that it's the very darkest, yeah. you know, do not give up on God. Yeah. God is a great God. You know, one of the one of my favorite stories is the one of David when he went out uh, with his men to do battle with a certain group of people. And when he got back, uh, they had attacked his town. They had carried off all the women and the yeah. children. So when he got there and his men saw that the town that they were living in was completely devastated, the Bible says that that everyone was in great distress mm. on account of that and that there was even talk of stoning David. Mm. And I can't imagine what that would have been like to stone David. Are you kidding? He was yeah. such a great leader of yeah. God. But there was something that David did that has impacted me greatly. The Bible says that David found his strength in the Lord. Yes. And I love that because sometimes or most times it seems like we're out there trying to find strength in so many different areas. But here, David, he found his strength in the Lord. Mm -hmm. He didn't find it in money. He didn't find it in popularity. He didn't find it uh, in his, his powers, his ability to, you know, to wield a sword or a slingshot. He found his strength in the Lord. And I think that's what set him apart. I think that's what made him a man after God's own heart yeah. is that he looked to God to give him strength. And I tell people, no matter how dark it is, no matter how desperate it is, in your life, you can find your strength in him. Absolutely. You know, I imagine there are people listening right now that um, that have listened to what you just shared on your personal testimony and can relate to that directly and say, you know what, I was one of those. I'm, I am one of those that was, was going to be aborted by my mother uh, for whatever reason or another. But you know what, the difference I see here is that Maybe what they're thinking is, well, yeah, that's Pastor Shoup. He's had a good life. God has blessed him. Well, look at me. I've gone through bankruptcy. I've been through this problem. I went through a divorce. Maybe it would have been better for mom to have uh, aborted me back then. How do we speak words of hope to those types of people? You know, first of all, I would, I would ask those individuals to do what David did, to find their strength yeah. in the Lord and to realize that it's real easy uh, when things are going bad, to feel isolated and lonely, it's easy to think that uh, you know maybe God doesn't care about me; only cares about special people. Or these things have happened to me because of God wanting to get even with me. Mm. And I remember uh, as a kid, you know, my mom making that decision. That meant that she had a very tough road to hoe after that. I remember, sure. you know, three years of age, holding her hand as we were living in Germany at the time, uh, didn't have any money, didn't have any food. And my mom took me door to door, uh, and we were begging for anybody to give up whatever rations they had, a little can of beans or wow. can of corn or something like that. 
you know, grew up at the end of a dirt road in Midland, Texas, in a 14 by 80 trailer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You know, much of much of life for us growing up as kids was impoverished uh, with not many opportunities to go to college or anything like that. But, you know, I, what I found out is that uh, God is a good God. And uh, looking back, if somebody came up to me and said, said uh, you know, here, here's a magic wand. Mm-hmm. And, and this magic wand has the ability to, to erase everything bad that has ever happened to you. Or caused you pain. I would look at that and I would say, "Please get that away from yeah. me." That's that's an evil instrument. It's from the devil because every thing that has ever happened, the Word of God says, Romans eight twenty eight. God works everything together for good, for good for those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. Now, the Bible doesn't say that everything is good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say that cancer is good. It doesn't say right. that bankruptcy is good or divorce is good or tragedy is good. Or It doesn't say that you know losing a child is good. But what it does say is that God can take all those bad things and work them together for his good yes. by his grace so that your life can be a testimony to the greatness of and the glory of God. Amen. And you're a perfect example of that. So I, I think that I'm God's poster child of you know of, and and I say this in all humility, but I think that God has He points a finger at me and He says, "Now if I could do this with James, Shub, just imagine what I could do with you." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he started out with so little, and yeah. you know he was he had such meager uh, circumstances or or tremendously painful circumstances growing mm-hmm. up. But you know God really has he's he's used my story as a testimony to encourage other people. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. I want to I want us to transition over into your church and uh you've written a book God, through the grace of God you've written a book entitled One Blinding Vision that has three key points that mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. your three key points for your church. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. You know, it it all begins with an article I read in in US News and World Report probably 20 years ago which was entitled History's Hidden Turning Points. Mm. And in that article, and you know, first of all, U.S. News and World Report is is not a Christian magazine. It's right. not Christianity Today. Right. You know, it's not it's not KSLR. Yeah. <laughs> right. And but and being a history minor in college, I was interested in well, what are these hidden turning points in history? And so I opened it up and I read it, and the very top one was what they called the missionary adventure of the Apostle Paul. Hmm. And that just kind of impacted me at the level of, you know, the world, the watching world, the unsaved world is looking at this man's life and saying he has had this enormous impact on the planet. Mm-hmm. So that began this journey of asking myself the question, what was it that, that allowed Paul uh, to be that powerful of a witness for Jesus Christ? I think it all goes back to the Damascus Road. You know, here you have him. His name is Saul of Tarsus at that point. Right. And the Bible says that he is breathing threats of murder against the church, that he has death warrants in his hand, yep. that he's going to arrest Christians. He's going to drag them in front of a court, have them stoned, all of those horrendous things. And right. on that road, he sees a bright light. Mm-hmm. Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Yes. And then Saul, blinded, knocked off his high horse. 
he looks up and says, who is this, Lord? It's probably the first time that he ever acknowledged that God was Lord. was Lord. And who is this Lord? And he said, yes, I am the Lord Jesus, whom thou art persecuting. And, uh, and you, you think about that transitional moment. Here was a man that would be called the Christian Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's the greatest evangelist yeah. and missionary. He's wow. an apostle. He's starting churches. He would be recognized almost 2,000 years later by U.S. News and World Report. So, mm. so it, it dawned on me that this blinding vision that Paul the Apostle had was so strong, so compelling, so life-changing and sustaining that it allowed him to radically change the world. It, it, was, it was a blinding vision of who Jesus Christ is. Mm-hmm. So I began asking myself the question, could, could we today, in the, you know, the 21st century, could we today have the same kind of compelling vision of who Jesus is? And so after you know, over 20 years of ministry, I decided to go back to the Bible and lay all the presuppositions aside, everything that I'd ever preached on, everything that I ever thought I knew. I just prayed to God. I said, Lord, could you give me a fresh, compelling glimpse into the life of Jesus Christ? Mm. Uh, That if I were to try to summarize the things that he was passionate about and the things that were most essential to him, what would they be? Is it one point, two points, three points? And so as I started reading the New Testament again with new eyes, with that mindset, uh, it, aston- it ast- astounded me how many times Jesus delivered people. Yeah, uh, You know, over here is a woman that has an issue of blood for 12 years. Over here is a man born blind. Another one crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Mm-hmm. Another one saying, my son is demon-possessed. He falls into the fire. You know, and, and this massive humanity comes to the very doorstep of Jesus Christ, and they say, make our lives better, change us, deliver us. And he did that. He delivered people from crisis and darkness. And I thought, you know, how cool would it be if a church's entire focus was to deliver people from crisis and darkness? Mm. And then the next thing that really gripped me is that, you know, here Jesus had 12 ordinary men, and those 12 ordinary men they were not the most educated. They were those that had been passed by. They were fishermen in Galilee and zealots and tax collectors. And yep. Jesus took those men. He poured his life into them for three years. Those 12 ordinary men went out and changed the world. They did extraordinary things. They, they really did. And so the second point was, well, surely in the driving one blinding vision of Jesus Christ is this – is this vision point of multiplying disciples. Mm -hmm. And so how cool would it be if our church focused on delivering people, multiplying disciples? And then as I thought about it, I thought, you know, that's really not rocket science. It's not complicated. Anyone can do that. But why is it that it's so hard to do that? And then it just really reminded me of how hard church work is. And, you know, sometimes people don't get along and they, you know, they think that their way's best and they argue yeah. with leadership and church members sometimes fight and grapple with one another. And, and, uh, and it was at that moment that, that the Lord directed my attention to John chapter 17, 
which is what is called the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ, right after the upper room where he shared the Lord's Supper and right before the Garden of Gethsemane where he said, Father, pass this cup mm-hmm. uh, from me. He, he prayed this prayer uh, for us in the future. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I had preached on that before. You know, that's the longest lasting, most effectual prayer that's ever been prayed. It's still in effect today. You know, Jesus prayed for believers centuries in advance, you know, if he doesn't come back. And, and, uh, but I, I never really stopped to think of what he prayed for us. And, and it dawned on me that if Jesus were in the flesh and you had a, you know, mano y mano, you know, five minutes with him, what kind of prayer request would you give him? And we might, yeah. we might ask him things like, you know, you know, Lord, I pray that my wife or my husband never dies of cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to die because of a drunk drives into me and you know it's game over, lights out. Yeah. You know, Lord, protect my children. Uh, I don't want to go bankrupt. I never want to be divorced. I mean, we would lay at His feet mm-hmm. the most significant prayers, but that's not the prayer that He prayed for us. The prayer that He prayed is that we would be one. Mm-hmm. And that the world would know through our unity as believers that the Father sent the Son and that we would experience his glory. And and then it dawned on me that if we're going to multiply disciples and build bridges as believers, we're going to have to come together and do it together. We're going to have to start focusing on the essentials and stop – you know, focusing on, well, what about me? And it's all about me or it's, you know, it's my style of music that's most important or, you know, why can't we get the church to do this and that? We need to come together and build bridges across, you know, socioeconomic lines and that Mm -hmm. rich and poor can come together and worship God and work together to advance the kingdom, that young and old who have so many differences can come together that, you know, people of different ethnicities of, you know, those that are Asian, African-American, Hispanics, Anglos, all of those can come together and say, you know, all people of every nation, every tongue will be around the throne of God saying, That's you right. know, glory in the highest. Yes. And why can't church look like heaven? Come on. Why can't we be one? Right. And if we were one, could we not do a better job building bridges, multiplying disciples and delivering people? And so – that one blinding vision is what really drives the heartbeat of our church. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that's really cool. And I wrote a book about it. Yeah. That's good. And how can they get a hold of uh, how can we get a hold of your book? You know, I was thinking about that as like I I, I knew you had asked me that question. And, and I'm not a prophet. <laughs> we can't talk about it. I know. Then, uh... But I, I thought, you know, I, I would I would love for the first ten people that email me yeah. at preacher. Uh, preacher at chfbc.org. Uh, you email me with your address, and I'll give you a free copy of that book. And for the rest of you, uh, after you know number eleven and twelve and all that, uh, I'll give you details on how you can how you can get the book. Uh, from our church. Well, they can also come see you there at Castle Hills First Baptist Church. Absolutely. You know, we give away free copies to every guest that comes by and stops by to see me in the Welcome Center after yeah. I preach, and we give them a free copy of the book and just let them know how much we love them. And, and you know, it's really amazing how that book has transformed people's lives, and it's really transforming our church, too. God's doing good things 
uh, with this vision. Well, I like that idea of sending people over there to uh, to your church and uh, getting to meet you in person and listen to one of your sermons and get to know all the people that make up the congregation, the brothers and sisters there at uh, at uh, Castle Hills First Baptist Church, and get their book there. I think that's a better way of doing it. Absolutely. Um, so we have been uh, spending the past uh, 20 minutes or so uh, talking here to uh, Pastor James Shoup. He is the senior pastor over at Castle Hills First Baptist Church. Uh, in the in the last couple of minutes that we have, Pastor, why don't you tell us a little bit about the culture of of your church? Uh, tell us about the types of people. What can someone expect when they bust through the doors and, uh, and come visit uh, you there at the church? You know, we're a multi-generational, multi-ethnic uh, type of church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of churches, they say, well, we're going to target a certain group between, you know, ages 25 and 55. Other churches say, we'll reach the senior adults or, you know, we'll go after, you know, this segment of society. And, and our church, the, the, our vision is really driving the demographics of who we are. We are the kind of people that we just say, come on. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't matter, you know, who you are, what your skin color is, what your age is. You know, we are very mindful of doing ministry that can can touch people across multi-ethnic, multi-generational lines. We believe that church should look like heaven. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's great. You can find uh, Pastor James Shoup uh, this Sunday. What time is your church service? Our church ser- service is at 1030. 1030? One service on Sunday? We have one service on Sunday. 1030 a.m., nothing mm-hmm. in the evening? Nothing in the evening. How about during the week? Oh, during the week we have a Bible study that's at six o'clock on Wednesday nights. We do men's and women's ministry, and it's Good. it's uh it's an opportunity for people to sit at tables and really get to communicate and talk mm-hmm. with others. Great. Well, we want to make sure that you guys uh, go out and uh, visit Castle Hills First Baptist Church. Um, they are located at twenty two twenty Northwest Military Highway. Um, that's up here around what North Central San Antonio, right outside four ten. You're right outside of four ten up yeah. Northwest Military. Excellent. And uh, again, the address is twenty two twenty Northwest Military Highway. If you want to get a hold of them uh, for whatever reason, with the directions or find out more information about the book, uh, you can call them at two one zero three seven seven three zero three zero. Also, visit them on the website. Uh, it's just the initials for Castle Hills First Baptist Church. It's chfbc.org. Simple enough. That's right. Pastor, thank you so much for your time, for being here with us. It's a pleasure to just sit down and chat with you. I know we could do this probably for another for the rest of the day. Hey, I'd love to come back anytime. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. God thank bless. you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today as we featured the AM630 KSLR Church of the Week. We hope that during this past half hour, you've had a chance to get to know the pastor and learn something about their church. We encourage you to get involved in your local community church. If you'd like to nominate your pastor to be featured on an upcoming Church of the Week program, simply submit your nomination at kslr.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.